Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Welcome to The Way, R122 Ministry Live. The Way Radio Live today is Sunday, October 17th, 2021. Um, I'm not sure if anybody noticed, but last week's message was a replay. Uh, so I haven't been here for two weeks. Um, uh, my son and I decided to go camping last weekend and it was a great blessing because I've pretty much worked through the whole summer and have not really taken any time off. And it was just good to uh, to get away, to go hiking with him. And uh, we had just an amazing time. It was a very uh, strenuous hike up to a Alpine Lake, very high up in the mountains here in Idaho. And we were able to uh, to do that and then spend Saturday night and we hiked back home, back down on Sunday. Uh, so that was a blessing, but I'm glad to be back. Glad, glad to have the, uh, the, the opportunity to preach. And I just welcome everyone. And I pray that this message would be a blessing to everyone that hears it both live today and when it's released uh, on Rumble and through the podcast. Uh, the title of today's message is Freedom from Anxiety in a Time of Fear, and it's based on Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And this is a portion of scripture which has always just been uh, an amazing blessing and a comfort for me. I actually memorized it without meaning to uh, quite a few years ago when my family and I were going through a very difficult time. Uh, we were faced with some very tough decisions and going through some frightening times. And I literally had this portion of scripture open in my Bible on my desk. And I was just reading it off and on throughout the day and praying over it. And before I realized it, it was just in my head and I had memorized it and I've used it constantly uh, since then uh, in times of uh, when things might get a little weird or, or frightening or anxiety comes on. And it's just always been a great blessing. And again, it just seems like with what's going on in the world, I keep going back to trying to address the issues that we're dealing with in America and throughout the world because of this COVID hoax and all of the suffering that's going on. Uh, the mainstream now is admitting that starvation is going to increase drastically this year and in the coming years, they're saying because of the COVID pandemic, it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has everything to do with the pandemic, the COVID hoax and the abuses that people are suffering at the hands of governments um, that are just corrupt. And uh, the abuses that are being carried out are, are horrific. So I'm doing everything I can to push back against that and to try to share as much information as I can. And I actually have a lot of new information that in the coming weeks, I hope to to uh, share with you guys. But this is meant to really be a message for Christians and remind us of the blessing that we have to be in Christ and to realize that we do not have to be in fear and worry and anxiety, regardless of what's going on in the world around us. So let's pray and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to gather here uh, from all over the world online uh, to meet together here on Sundays. And Lord, uh, it's such a blessing to be able to use uh, technology in such a way. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, bless this message, that you would uh, open the hearts and minds of everyone that hears it, that you would calm and bless the spirits of those that hear it, and that we would know your peace and your joy through it. For those that may not know you, Lord, I ask that this message would inspire them uh, to search for the truth to open their hearts and their minds and their spirits to the truth of the gospel and that you would do a mighty work through it. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the title of the message, Freedom from Anxiety in a Time of Fear. I want to say hello to, to Heather Silva. Been a long time since we've seen each other. She's watching uh, and commented, thank you. And Pastor Patrick Lumumba, my good friend uh, who is in Nairobi. He's the main pastor that I work with in Kenya, and he's a very good and close friend and brother of mine. So I'm so glad that he's able to watch as well. So first of all, what I want to do is I want to begin by reading Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and then we will get into breaking this down. 
Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I think you'll agree it's just a beautiful portion of scripture. It's very comforting and it's very uplifting. And again, like I said, it's one of my, it's probably my favorite portion of scripture that I've used more than any other uh, throughout my life, especially in times of, of struggle uh, or anxiety. Matthew Henry, regarding the topic of anxiety, uh, he, he, he wrote a, a wonderful uh, Bible commentary that I use constantly, but he, Matthew Henry, regarding anxiety, said, there is scarcely any one sin against which our Lord Jesus more largely and earnestly warns his disciples than the sin of disquieting, distracting, distrustful cares about the things of this life. Now, notice that he calls anxiety, he refers to it as a sin. And I believe it is, and you'll see why as we go through the message today. And it is something that the Lord constantly warned us about and preached against because he did not want believers, his children, to be hindered in our walk with him and in the Christian faith because of anxious fear and worry. How can someone not, but the, you have to ask the question, how can someone not be anxious amidst so much insanity and chaos in a world that is spinning out of control? You know, one of the points that I have uh, speaking with my wife the other day just about uh, what's going on worldwide with the COVID hoax, what's going on in America because of it. We see Australia, which has just uh, become like a completely locked down police state. We see America just being further and further divided and hatred increasing drastically. Uh, you cannot turn on any news channel without just fear, fear, and just bad news pouring forth from it. And the point I made to my wife is it seems like the founding fathers of America did not intend for politics to be something that the American people had to constantly be inundated with and constantly concerned with. We needed to take responsibility to the fact that our constitution and our, and our system of government, a constitutional republic, is to be maintained by the diligence of the people, but we are not to just have to constantly be concerned with what our government is doing really to us like it is nowadays. And it seems like originally our government was a reflection of the thoughts and the virtues and the uh, principles of the people. It was reflected into the government and the government was meant to carry out what the, what the people believed in. And now it's completely turned around the other way to where the people are having these evil uh, plans and these evil actions and these evil thoughts, I, I guess you could say, of those that have basically taken ownership of the U.S. government forced on us just constantly from the radio, social media, television, to where it's just from the time you get up in the morning till you go to bed at night, if you're not careful, you'll just be inundated with the evil that is taking place in the country and in the world that has just increased incrementally, especially over the last couple of years through the COVID hoax, uh, from a governmental perspective onto the people. And that needs to be turned back around. And as Christians, the point I'm trying to get across is we do not have to be drawn into that. But it's going to be more and more difficult not to. So we have to be more and more diligent in maintaining a proper state of mind and keeping ourselves grounded in the word of God and abiding in Christ and not letting ourselves be drawn away through anxiety because of what's going on in the world. Because a lot of it is not nearly as severe as it seems. It's being used to create fear, to gain control. And we'll get into that more later. And I've got, like I said, a lot of new information along those lines. So again, I'm going to pose the question, how can someone not be anxious amidst so much insanity and chaos in a world 
that is spinning out of control. Evil, hatred, lies, and division have increased drastically over the last year and a half. Anxiety and fear are reflected in the eyes of millions of masked faces as the COVID hoax drags on and on. The threat of war with China grows. The world's supply chain is clogged. And the coming dark winter, as it's being called here in America, is the latest topic of fear pouring from mainstream propaganda channels. Why is it becoming increasingly clear that anything to do with the gospel of the with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Christian faith will not be tolerated in much of modern society? How did the world end up in such a terrible condition in increasing defiance of God? Now defiance of God is really the root answer to the above questions. For years, God has been denied by some and ignored by others as humanity has gradually moved away from God and toward secular humanism. In the previous generations leading up to where we are now, at least in America, atheism and agnosticism have been growing and growing, either a denial of God or a denial of God or basically just uh, not an, an apathetic attitude toward God, not caring whether he exists or not. And that has just increased more and more through the increase of secular humanism. Now we are in a time of transitioning from denial of God to defiance of God. It is not enough to deny the existence of God. Instead, God must be defied and reviled as man sets himself up as God. This is much of the reason why the world is in the turmoil that it's in today. We're making this transition from denial of God to direct defiance against God. And we see that so much, especially in American society, with uh, uh, gender confusion where men want to be women, women want to be men. Uh, now, I heard the other day where my wife uh, heard from someone who's child taken their, they took their child to the pediatrician. Child was about three years old. And the pediatrician asked them if they felt like whether they were a boy or a girl. Well, it was a boy. I mean, why do you have to ask a question like that? But that's the insanity that has come in through secular humanism. But really what it comes down to is it's direct defiance against God, de defying his proper, natural, created order. And if you go all the way back, preceding the time of Noah, leading up to the flood, these same kinds of issues where what is what existed. Remember, it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days preceding the come of man, the coming of the, the coming of the Son of Man. So how do believers not be drawn into the anxiety and the fear of these times? How do we shield ourselves and our families from the spiritual forces of evil in this world? How are we to be in the world, but not of the world? How are we to rejoice in the midst of a pandemic of anxiety? Because really, that's what we've seen increase so much over the last couple of years since this whole thing started. Anxiety has just increased more and more and more. And as fear and anxiety increase more, division sets in because people are lashing out in fear. And now you see that America is becoming like a powder keg. And we don't know what we're going to wake up to each morning. What, what's the next emergency that's going to take place? And like I said, and now they're instilling this fear that we are facing a very hard winter in America. Inflation is going through the roof. Supply lines are cut to where we cannot get the products and the, that we rely on to be on, on store shelves. So if they're just using that to, again, the more fear you can, can create, from that will breed anger. And from there, you can cause more and more division. So there's a reason why all of these things are happening, and it's not a good reason. And again, we'll get into that more later on. The main focus of today's message is how do we move through these times, try to understand from a biblical perspective what's going on, to abide in truth, and to not be anxious in the midst of confusion, chaos, turmoil, fear, and ignorance. If you want your children to thrive and prosper, and not just in these times, but in any times, and when I say thrive and prosper, I'm talking in a biblical sense. To make money, for this, for the, just simply to make money, 
is not biblical. To thrive and prosper is to live in a godly way and to be blessed with a godly prosperity that serves, glorifies, and honors him. So if you want your children to thrive and prosper, do not hide the truth of this world from them. You cannot keep them in a box. Make them aware of the condition of this world. But even more importantly, saturate them with the love of Jesus Christ, with his gospel, and with his word. Raise them up biblically, accepting responsibility for their spiritual health. One of the reasons that the, Amer the American uh, Christian church is in such a shambles nowadays, nowadays be during these times, is because for so many years, people have thought that to raise your kids in a biblical way was to take them to church each Sunday and, and to send them into Sunday school. No, it's not the church's responsibility to raise up kids in the ways of Christ. It's the parents' responsibility. We are to be the ones that disciple them up, and we need to get back to that. So raise them up biblically, accepting responsibility for their spiritual health, nurturing them, and bringing them to maturity in Christ. Do not rely on the modern church for your children's spiritual and biblical training. The majority of the modern church is not equipped to raise up disciples. Raise children up in the ways of God, and this world will have no hold or real power over them. They may wander and become prodigal at points in their lives, but a biblical foundation is the strongest foundation that we can build under our children. Above all, love your children beyond measure. Love them with generosity of heart to such a degree that the mistakes we all make as parents will be drowned in the love that we have poured out on them. You know, my wife and I were blessed with just an amazing son, and he's always been very... Uh, He's just a beautiful soul. He's always been very kind. He's always been very generous from, from the time he was a child. And my, my wife and I always, without meaning to, just loved him to the point where I think some people thought maybe it was spoiling or ridiculous because we just constantly wanted to have him with us. If we went somewhere for our anniversary, we wanted him with us. We always just just tried to love him to the, to the furthest extent that we can. And it was, like I said, I don't think it was conscious. It's just what we did. And uh, I've had people ask me who are, who are younger than us, who are now raising children, because my son's now in his 20s. He's, he's training to be uh, an EMT and a fireman. Um, you know, what, what did you do with Wyatt? How were you guys successful in raising him up? Like, like, like what book did you read or what plan did you use? And really, it all came down to what I always tell people is just love your kids to the point of it being ridiculous and absurd to the eyes of the world. Just absolutely surround them with love and acceptance. Just be so generous with your love to your children. And I think if that's what you do, it will overcome so many of the mistakes we make because I was not a perfect father. My wife was not a perfect mother. She's a phenomenal mother. She's a better mother than I'm a father. But the point is, love does away with so many mistakes. So it's just a little bit of advice I'll put out there if you're just starting a family. Proverbs 22, 4 through 6 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So again, just raise up your kids in the ways of God. We live in a world of rapidly increasing confusion and chaos. Christians must stand on the rock and take shelter in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Believers do not have to be weighed down and encumbered by the anxiety and the cares of this world. Our point of view is far beyond the insanity of this world. In Matthew 24, 3-13, it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. 
For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The love of many will grow cold. Is this not a description of the world today? We do not see love reflected in the world around us. But we see love in the church, the true church, the body of Christ. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We must endure to the end, and we will do so by God's grace and power leaning on him. Now, that was leading up to uh, the main focus of, of today's scripture. But what I want to do is I want to put today's scripture in context, the, the, the part of parts of the book of Philippians that lead up to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. So let's just look at a little background of the book leading up to this portion that we're focusing on to give us a little bit of the of a, of a taste of the context for this portion of Scripture. So Paul, led by a vision, traveled to Philippi, and he established the church there. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 16. He later returned at least two times to visit the church at Philippi. Philippians is a book of rejoicing and thanksgiving for the blessings God has poured out on the Philippian church. If you want to read about the joy of being a Christian, Philippians is a great place to go for that. In Philippians 1, 1 through 6, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So what you get uh, the flavor that you get from the book of Philippians as you read th through it is this joy that Paul has in the faith of the Philippian church that he founded. But Paul also addresses his concerns for the church like he does in so many of his letters. In Philippians 3 verse 2 and then again in Philippians 3 17, 17 and 18, he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Philippians 3.16 says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Hold true to that gospel message and do not veer from it. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell, now tell you even in tears, walk they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's talking about false teachers in their midst that are striving to lead away the true sheep of Christ. Have nothing to do with them. Avoid them is what he's saying. Philippians 1, 27 and 28. And then again, uh, chapter 2, 2 through 4. He writes, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul was constantly <coughs> trying to instill a sense of unity, one mind, one faith, one spirit, one Lord. He constantly wrote about that. In Philippians 4.1, he says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul's talking about an eternal perspective in Jesus Christ, engaged in our Christian walk, abiding in Christ and his word, one mind, one faith, one gospel in fellowship. Not trusting in ourselves, but instead 
standing fast in the strength of the Lord by his grace. Amen. So now let's look at, at Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 9, piece by piece. It begins in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in worship, communion, and fellowship with the Lord. All of our joy flows from the Lord, regardless of conditions and circumstances. And this is very important, and it requires Christian maturity to understand that. We are to rejoice always in Jesus Christ, regardless of the conditions and circumstances that we're in. And I know that one of the hardest things that that humans deal with and Christians deal with is that big word, B-U-T, but. I want to rejoice in the Lord, but I'm dealing with this situation. I want to rejoice in Christ. I want to have peace in him, but I have to fix this first. I have to work through this obstacle. I have to overcome this challenge. I need him to take care of this so that I can rejoice in him. But what he's telling us is rejoice in him always, regardless of situations and circumstances. Our first priority is to be rejoicing in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are you rejoicing always? Are you praying without ceasing? Are you living and walking in gratitude and worship? To strive to rejoice always, ceaseless prayer, a sense and attitude of gratitude and worship is the key to overcoming so much of human suffering and struggle. How can you be depressed? How can you be fearful? How can you be anxious if you are rejoicing always? You're constantly praying and you are abiding in a sense and attitude of gratitude to the Lord. So much of the things that hinder us will be done away with if that's what we're striving for. Do you desire to live according to the will of God? Then rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks to God in all circumstances. So many struggle in ministry trying to find out what God's will is for them, vacillating between choices and plans, not realizing that God does not need us to serve him. Instead, he blesses us to serve him. He will turn even our failures and mistakes into successes for his glory if our hearts are truly set on his will. The will of God is not elusive and hard to find. It is clearly defined for us in his word. God's will is a path of joy for us. There is such a great message here. So many people, especially now with, with social media and, and Christians just striving for recognition and so engaged in personal promotion and trying to get this these huge followings on social media and to, to go on these speaker circuits. And they fool themselves into thinking that, that God needs them to do what they're doing. He doesn't need any of us to do what we're doing. He blesses us to be able to engage in ministry and serve him. And the comforting part of that is to realize that as we struggle and as we make mistakes and as we do the wrong things in ministry, he will still use it to his glory and his praise and his honor. That takes so much pressure off of us because we just do the best we can, realizing that I know for me, I'm probably going to screw up more than I do things right, but God will still use it to his glory. It's amazing. I mean, Pastor Patrick's a great example of that. I went to, to Kenya with these big plans and these big ideas of what I was going to do with these men that I was working with there. And I didn't even know Patrick at the time, but the Lord led me to see that my original plans weren't exactly the direction that, that, that we needed to go there. And he opened the door for Patrick and I to work together because these other men, many of them were involved in things that, 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 that were not part of the true faith. They wanted things that weren't part of the gospel. But Patrick showed me that his concern was the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what his ministry was engaged in. So he led me to him, but he did it in a way that, that used a couple mistakes I made and brought me back into line in the direction that we needed to go there. So I could look at that and say, wow, I was just so stupid. I made some mistakes. I uh, should have done things better. But if I do that, then what am I doing? I'm just regretting the past. I need to say, yes, yeah, some mistakes were made, but the gospel was constantly preached. A lot of fruit was born from all the work we've done there, 
but we just had to make some changes. And, and he brought Patrick and I to work together in a very simple, pure way. And now I rejoice in that. And I think anybody that's been in ministry for any amount of time is going to have those kind of stories where we, we we thought we were going this way, but God took it, changed it a little bit, and this really is bearing fruit. And that's what he's doing with us in Kenya. And I praise the Lord for that. Philippians 4, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Reasonableness, reasonableness can be designed as can be defined as unselfishness, considerateness forbearing spirit, gentle, patient. But he says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is not an abstract concept far away from us in the heavens. The Lord is at hand. The Holy Spirit is here with us. In John 14, 26 through 27, the Lord gives us a promise. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Holy Spirit is here with us, and through the Holy Spirit we commune with the Lord. We need to take comfort in this truth. It's so common nowadays, especially in Reformed theology, which I love, to become so intellectual and so entrenched in doctrine and study that we have very little relationship with the Lord through the Holy Spirit. We need to get back to that childlike faith, clinging to the Lord, relishing our relationship with Him, striving to commune with Him prayerfully. And then we go to him and through his word and in prayer. If we are distracted with anxious worry, we are not giving attention to what is at hand. We are not in the moment. Now it says the Lord is at hand. So he's right here. He's right now. His Holy Spirit is working with us and through us and guiding us. So he is here in the moment with us. But if we're distracted with anxious worry, we are not giving attention to what is at hand. We are not in the moment. And this is a very important thing for us to remember during these times. Satan will constantly try to drag us into the past through regret or into the future through worry and fear. Why? Because he knows that the Lord is at hand and we worship him and commune with him in the moment. So Satan strives to steal the moment away from us. Can you see how he has done this so well through the COVID hoax? Think of what a distraction this thing has become. And I heard, you know, somebody the other day, I was listening to a, to a podcast and they were just talking about everything that's taken place through this. And he said, you know, it's amazing because there's never really been a pandemic. If you look at the, the actual true numbers of those who have died from COVID, it's minuscule. The whole thing has been a fabrication. And he said, isn't it fascinating to think that if the mainstream media and, the, and these governments had not just taken this thing and used it for such nefarious, evil, sinister means, it would have been gone after two or three months, probably. We would have never heard from, from it again. But Satan has used this to, for such, he's used it masterfully as a distraction to take people out of the moment to take them into this place of fear and anxiety about what might happen in the future. And at first it was, it was of the, you know, of COVID. And now that's proving that it's, it's really people, even people that, that have bought into it are starting to realize something's just not right here. This is not what they've made it up to be. But now the fear is what's being carried forward through the name of COVID. Is our government going to continue to oppress us? Like I said, look at Australia and other places that become like police states because of what they've done through this. So they're using just fear in so many different ways. I heard somebody the other day, I forgot it was a government official in America. I was reading an article last night and he basically said the supply line problem will not end until every American is vaccinated. So basically threatening the American people saying, if not everyone gets vaccinated, then this is just going to go on and on. Basically, what he's saying is we will continue to make this problem exist until everybody does what we command them to do. Those are the kind of things that we're hearing in America and all over the world now. And that's just using fear to control people. As Christians, we do not have to buy into that. We do not have to buy into that. 
One of the saddest things that I've come across personally through this whole thing is a woman that I know in, in Nairobi, just an amazing woman. Her name is Susan, and uh, she's got a great story. And one of these days I need to read it on on one of my services as we record the podcast and, and I broadcast live. Uh, she had a handicapped daughter many years ago. Her husband couldn't deal with it. So he left right after the baby was born. She became almost suicidal, not knowing what to do. Her daughter has Down syndrome. And, and in places like uh, in parts of Africa and in, in places in Nairobi and in the slums where she lives, a handicapped child is absolutely it's just so difficult to take care of them. Many families don't know what to do. They'll abandon them. Um, it's not like here where we have services to help with handicapped children and it can just devastate a family. And the Lord just touched her heart and led her and gave her strength to, to figure out ways to take care of her daughter and to help her daughter flourish even amidst her handicap. And she was so blessed to be able to do this, that she actually ended up helping hundreds of families in the surrounding area who had handicapped kids so that they could flourish in taking care of their kids as well. COVID put a stop to that. She was unable to continue that ministry that she was blessed with simply because of COVID lockdowns. But then what happened to her uh, about a month ago, I hadn't heard from her, from her for a while and she contacted me and she believed what the news was telling her there, that uh, the best thing she could do was to get a COVID shot. And she went and got a COVID shot. She wasn't sick. She's a healthy woman and very rapidly deteriorated and ended up in the hospital. Uh, just angered me when I heard it because I should have warned her with the information that I've been able to gather here. Uh, and finally, when I was able to, to to get through to her and send her information, now she realizes, yeah, she made a mistake, made her very ill, but then she got sick again from it and ended up in the hospital. And then her kids got sick because what happens when you get vaccinated is you start shedding virus. And so her kids got sick. And it just angered me to hear that but she was controlled by fear. And luckily now she's recovered. Her kids are recovered and she knows the truth. She knows that she can't turn on the news anywhere and, and believe what they are telling her. But that's the power of fear. And that's what we as Christians do not have to be involved in. But that's what Satan has used so well through this whole thing in order to distract people from being in the moment. Let's look at verse six, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Anxiety and worrisome, worrisome distraction are contrary to our faith. They are actually sinful. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Only those in Christ have the light of truth and know what the outcome of it all will be. We do not have to be anxious because we can rest in the assured fact that God is the one in control, not these evil forces that are using this thing right now to, to cause so much damage in people's lives and to cause so much death and destruction. God is the one in control. Our hope and eternal perspective allow us to live above the fearful confusion of this world. A strong, now this is important, a strong believer free from fear, worry, and anxiety in times like these may appear to be irresponsible or foolish. Many people will look at Christians in times of great trial and see them living peacefully with a smile on their face and not drugged down by what's going on around them. And they'll think that person's so irresponsible for not paying attention to this. That's how I've been looked at for the last couple of years because I refuse to wear a mask. So many people would look at you in the store like you're, you're irresponsible. You don't care about them. You don't care about yourself. You're not paying attention to what's going on. No, I don't do it because I know what they're using it for. And I refuse to buy into the distraction and the fear and the worry and the anxiety. See, so many, uh, we, will, we will appear so contrary to this world in certain times that we will appear to be foolish irresponsible and uncaring, but it's exactly the opposite. Anxious worry shows a lack of trust in God's providence and care. Ask yourself, just consider this, consider all the things you've worried about that have never happened. If you look back over your life, just think of the things that you've, you've, you've had sleepless nights over, that you've worried about constantly, and then think about how many of those actually took place. 
How many of them actually happen? I know for my play, for myself, most of them never happened. Consider all of the wasted energy, all of the mental turmoil, the effect that worry has had on your health throughout your life. And then remember that the Lord commands us not to worry, but to instead cast our cares on him because he loves us. Martin Luther, here's a quote from Richard Wormbrand in his book, In God's Underground. He says, Martin Luther, when he walked in the woods, used to raise his hat to the birds and say, good morning, theologians. You wake and sing, but I, old fool, know less than you and worry over everything instead of simply trusting in the Heavenly Father's care. What a great quote that is. A man like Martin Luther, who had such insight and fought such battles for the cause of the gospel, and made such a, a stand against heresy and apostasy and the evil of the, of the Roman Catholic Church. And he looked at the birds and he thought, wow, they just, they have it. They know what's going on. They wake up, they start singing, worshiping, celebrating the Lord, rejoicing in him. And Martin Luther said, we as people get up and we start worrying about the day. We start being mentally and physically and spiritually crippled because of anxiety. It's just something in our fallen nature. But we have to strive as Christians to overcome that. And it says with thanksgiving, worship is a great antidote to worry. If you are worshiping the Lord, praying ceaselessly in gratitude to him, you are, are experiencing the antidote to worry. For believers, now this is important to understand, there is a proper, diligent concern that we should have. I'm not saying we go through the world like, like crazy people, never having concern for anything. That would be irresponsible. For the, so for believers, there is a proper, diligent concern. Honest concerns for the right reasons and from the right condition of mind and heart is not what Jesus is commanding us against. Consider what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea, danger from uh, false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul lived with anxiety, but it was an anxiety for the churches. He, he was constantly knew that he had to be concerned about the false teachers that were attacking the churches about the sinful that were existing in the churches and trying to affect others with that. So that is a healthy anxiety that we are to have, but it does not cripple us. But in everything, leave nothing out, bring everything to the Lord, Sur serve the Lord with everything. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So if we have concern for the church, we cast that anxiety on him. If we're anxious about, what if I lose my job because I know I cannot accept this vaccine? What if the government starts knocking on my door and trying to force my, my family to be vaccinated and we know how dangerous it is? These are all things that people are anxious about nowadays. All of that, the Lord says, cast it on me and I will give you the strength to bear it. Cast all of that on him. He will bring us through. Usually those believers who struggle and bear little fruit, who are drawn away in anxiety and cares of this world, do not comprehend who God truly is. This is why it's so important to study the attributes, the character, the nature of God. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So how do we comprehend, how do we comprehend who God truly is? We learn of him through his word prayerfully. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, it says. There is passion and desire in prayer. Prayer is not for the lazy. Pray that you may pray with zeal and fervency of spirit. Romans 12, 1 says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Now let's look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now notice, if we go back through this portion of Scripture, and we look at verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 5 says, Let, says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Verse 6, whoops, I'm on the wrong way, sorry. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So notice that all through that, that there are no half measures, because there are no half measures in the Christian faith. It's always words like always, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, preach to everyone. It's always completeness totally committed. There's no half measures in the Christian faith. So verse seven again says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, a soul at rest in the Lord, assured of salvation through Christ, content with earthly circumstance, with an eternal focus on Jesus Christ. When we are burdened, anxious, and weighed down with worry, prayer is what claims Prayer is what calms and brings peace to our spirit and our mind. Lift up your burdens and desires to God in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Abide in God's word and he will inspire you to pray. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. If you're anxious, go to the word of God. Psalm 94, 18 and 19 says, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. All of this are, all of these are blessings that we receive through prayerful study of the word. Now let's look at verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now all of those things that we see in verse 8, we see when we study God. Paul wrote this epistle to the Philippians in which he urges them to rejoice and warns them about anxiety while he was in prison. Now think of how beautiful this message is, how joyous it is, and the joyful, peaceful message it portrays and conveys to us. And consider that he wrote about this, warning us about ever being anxious about anything while he was sitting in prison. Paul did not whine and complain about his circumstances, but instead used his circumstances to serve the Lord and bring glory to God. In Philippians 1, 12 through 14, he writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He used his imprisonment for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We will persevere and we will endure because the Lord is our strength. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'll close with Psalm 37, 3 through 6. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your consolations, for your comfort, for your peace. And Lord, I just ask that you would strengthen your true church, that you would enable us to move through these times uh, with peace and joy in our hearts, that we would rejoice always, that we would pray without ceasing, that we would give thanks to you in all circumstances. Lord, I just ask that you would guide each of us in the coming week, that you would open doors of opportunity for the gospel, and that we would uh, glorify, serve, and honor you in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for being here today, you guys. If you get a chance, please visit. I can get the slide to come up. Elephantwalk.net. That is our uh, website, our business that we use to help support the work of the ministry, both here and in Kenya. If you decide to make a purchase on the site, just type the way, all lowercase, no spaces, and you'll get 10% off at checkout. You can visit our website by going to the way, the letter r122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast, the way radio podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for the way radio in the search field and you can find us on rumble at the way, the letter r122. And please consider donating. We need all the support we can get. I'd like to return to Kenya, hopefully, if things are somewhat normal early next year, which is just a few months away. And uh, if you feel called to help us with regular monthly support, that's always a blessing because it really helps us plan. But we are very short on funds. Uh, The COVID hoax has really just crippled uh, giving in so many different ways. And I know most ministries are suffering and ours is really dealing with financial strains, and there's a lot more we'd be able to do if we could just get more help, and we know the Lord will always provide. So please pray about that, and you can donate by going to the way, the letter R122.org. All right. Thank you so much for being here. We will be back again next week, same time, same place. God willing. God bless you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.